Last week, um, we were going through this, and we talked about the Jerusalem Council. And I, I want to say it's a very vital meeting in the early church. And there were several different meetings, different discussions that uh, were had. But this debate, and then the result of, of the debate, uh, established what God not only was doing among the Gentiles, but was doing among all mankind. And um, this was something that they, they, they recalled that the prophets had foretold and uh, this mystery of the Gentiles being saved the same exact way that the Jews could be saved, again, was being unfolded right before their eyes. And, and for us today, uh, as I said last week, that's, it's not necessarily a, mi- a mystery because we're all Gentiles. We've all been, um, you know, saved and it's by grace and it's through faith. And, and so it's not a, a mystery to us. It was a mystery to them. But it shouldn't have been because salvation, according to God's word, has always come by faith. Now, it's, it's been made clear through the gospel, the, the life, the, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that it was absolutely by God's grace. And again, God coming in the flesh, God paying for the sins of mankind. Uh, but again, this is something that they, they couldn't quite comprehend. Many of them couldn't comprehend that the Gentiles could be saved just as those early Jews were being saved, uh, like Peter and John and, and all them. So uh, we left off at verse 36, but I, what I want to do this morning because I think it's such an important thing to do uh, in, in our text, is um, look back at verse 35. And so we should be picking back up uh, at 36, but we'll look at 35 because we've seen these themes and, and the, these truths that we're going to see this morning over and over and over in this Scripture. And, it, and it's important to point out because we see it once again. And I think anytime you see a recurring theme in Scripture, uh, specifically in a specific book, that's vital for us to, to examine and to, to Uh, try to draw out of that what we can. So verse 35 says this, Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. I want you to look at it again. They remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Let's pray once again, and I want to get into this a little deeper. Father, thank you so much for this time again. We do thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you and we thank you for the songs that we've had the opportunity to express our thanks and our love, um, to, 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 to exalt you and to extol you, Lord. We, we thank you that uh, we have the opportunity to do that. We thank you for the freedom and we thank you for the privilege of being able to lift to you songs. And I, I pray that we wouldn't have missed the opportunity while it was uh, right before us. And now as we open your word, I pray that your word is, is preached and taught and your spirit has full reign in, in each of our lives. God, do what you want to do in this place today in each of our lives. Um, Lord, just be magnified through this message. Help us respond in the right way as well. Help us not to just hear the same old preacher, the same old message. Uh, help us to, to truly hear from you this morning. And we'll praise you for it. Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, this, this connection, what we see in, in the Scripture, this, this responsibility, and even more so, the, the word that we see is they remained. It's the, their faithfulness in their local church is undeniable. And, and, and again, this is not to, to, to beat a dead horse. This is something that's recurring. We saw them come back from the missionary journey, report to that same church. We saw, again, this, importance, this important connection to their home church. This is something that um, again, they, they left Jerusalem, they went to Antioch, and the church of Antioch commissioned them. They, they appointed them, they, they sent them out after they had prayed and fasted 
uh, according to what the Holy Spirit said to them. And, and I praise God tonight. I, I know we announced it last week, but tonight we're going to be ordaining uh, Brother, Brother Patrick Huffman. And uh, while it's not nece- necessarily the same uh, ordination or the same uh, commission, it's, it's God's authority in the local church uh, being, being put forth uh, to help accomplish his will and help accomplish the Great Commission. And so get to take part in something like that tonight is such an uh, amazing privilege. But these guys were sent out of this Antioch church. This, were, this was where they, um, they, they served, they were, they were faithful in, they were sent out of, all these things. And if you remember when we talked about how on that first missionary journey, John Mark left the missionary journey. Uh, when it started to get maybe too tough, I went to um, the, the Texas BBF meeting uh, this week and um, we, we were talking about um, pastoral resilience and stuff like that in the, in the conference this week. And um, the, one of the, the, the messages was talking about John Mark. And, and one of the things that was drawn out of that is, is what exactly made John Mark go back? You know, we, we're, not, we're not told. And we, we talked about that in our study. And I, I looked at Rochelle when we were there. And, and so it's interesting that, that we talked about that in our study as well. We, we don't know why he went back. It appears to be one way. But it could have been something else. Um, one of the things that was brought up in the, in the meeting was uh, maybe he had seen enough and experienced enough and he felt like he was full. And so he, got, he, he felt like, I don't need to go any further in this missionary journey. I'm going to go back. Which, again, there's a lot of flaws in, in several, different the thought, several different thoughts like that. But we noticed that when he left the missionary journey, he went back to where? The Bible says he went back to Jerusalem. He went back home. He didn't go back to his church. He didn't go back to where the Lord had sent him out of, where he was serving in, where, where God was using him, he, he went back home uh, to maybe just do what he wanted to do. Again, we don't know the details and all the, the ins and outs, but we see this, that they go back to their local church and they go back to be faithful and to serve. This is a vital, vital, vital thing. Notice the words again. Remained, teaching, preaching, the word of the Lord. It seems like it's so simple. And, and what's the interesting thing, and I'll just kind of share with you in, in the, the conference this week, uh, you know, there's, there's churches on every corner here, specifically in Texas, right? And, and um, I, I praise God he's not done this uh, to me. I, I, don't, I don't have this. But there are a lot of pastors, a lot of churches that struggle with, well, seeing the bigger church down the street and having church envy or having ministry envy. And uh, I, I just praise God that I, I don't have that, and uh, I pray that His grace stays upon me and it never comes. Uh, but there's a lot of pastors that, that struggle with that. And you got this, the, these, these, all, all these things going on. And, and, uh, but one of the things that happens in, in ministry, and, and many of you are involved in ministry, is this. It can become so complex. It can become so cumbersome. So many things to do and so many things to try to keep up with. And I love this right here. They were faithful in their church, and they were preaching and teaching the word of the Lord. That's what, that's what they were giving themselves. That's what they were devoted to. But while all of that is important, I, I want you to notice that, that last phrase, because that's what we're going to zero in on specifically this morning. It says this, with many others also. We know the names of Paul and Barnabas. We we. We, uh, we know the John Marks even. We know uh, Silas. We just talked about him who, who they sent from the Jerusalem Council back to Antioch 
uh, to confirm. And we read in the, in the text last week that he stayed there in Antioch with them. And we're going to see eventually uh, on this next missionary journey, he's the one that goes out with Paul uh, when Barnabas and Paul split ways. But um, this, this is interesting because history and specifically the Word of God that has been preserved for us for generations, for thousands of years, we have the written, recorded Word of God and in this written record, uh, written record, in this word of God that we have preserved, we have all of these names, but here in this verse, we don't know these specific names. But what's encouraging and what's inspiring and what's helpful to us today is to know that God knows their names. That, that, that God had their names recorded. Maybe he didn't see fit. Maybe there were very different reasons why God said, I'm going to record the names of Paul and Barnabas. I'm going to record the names even uh, uh, of John Mark. I'm going to record all these names. But there are so many others who were faithful and were preaching and teaching that we don't know their names. But God does. We, we call the, the, we're looking for a title of a sermon. If we, we, you know, we could do that as we're going through verse by verse. We could call this, be one of the many others also. But when we study scripture and, and we're encouraged by those that we know, without a doubt, I will tell you this. I, for 10 years in our Bible Institute, I taught Paul's epistles. And so I, I, I taught through um, Corinthians and, and, and Philippians and Ephesians and Colossians and uh, Galatians and Thessalonians and Timothy and Philemon and Titus and, and, and all those books taught through them semester after semester and, and year after year and, and loved it just fell more and more and more with, with, with this, this great instrument of God. Uh, again, not idolizing him, knowing that he was a sinner saved by grace, knowing that he was simply an instrument, but what an inspiration he, he is to so many people. Again, he's been a great inspiration to me. I look at the Apostle Paul and I say, man, if, if, if there's somebody who says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, follow me as I follow Christ, I would say, amen. <laughs> you know, again, I, I think it would look a little different because in our eyes, sometimes we, we esteem people that we don't know, sometimes a little more than we should. I think we walked around with Paul for a little bit, we might be like, oh, this guy's kind of gruff. <laughs> I mean, he's got a love and a passion for people. Man, he pours out his heart, but man, he, he can be kind of abrasive at times. But again, no, no doubt encouraged by these people we know. We see their example. As I said, sometimes bad examples, right? Um, it was so funny this, this week, we went down to the conference, and uh, the, the conference ended with the skit guys, just something different they don't normally do. Um, but we, they had the skit guys come in just to kind of give the pastors all a laugh and, and, and a good time together. So Tuesday night, they came in, and um, they, were, um, they were doing this skit to where um, it was Judas, and I, and I can't remember who it was, but um, they were, oh, Judas was, they were playing the character, and he was talking about how he wanted to be known for uh, uh, being a musician or a singer or something like that. And they were playing it up real good, and he was like, I want to be known for my music and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and he started getting all these pastors to chant for him. And so all the whole room of pastors is cheering like this. Judas, Judas, and, and he stopped the skit, and he goes, did you ever think that as a pastor you'd be cheering Judas on? And so we all start laughing and stuff like that. But again, we, we have these names of people that we, we look at, and we say, well, that, that's a bad example. I, I know him. His name's been preserved, and while I have all these good examples, there's definitely bad examples in Scripture as well. We learn from them, we grow from them, but if we study and if we look and catch these little details as they come along, Sometimes there are those unnamed, unknown, 
who are great examples for us today. I want you to notice also that the word describing the number who were remaining, who were faithfully teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with the known men of Paul and Barnabas. Notice the word, it says, many. It wasn't just, well, that's because they're a group leader. Oh, that's because they're, you know, they, they teach kids. The word is many. In the church, for the church, many were faithful to preach and teach the word of God. You know, we consider faithful servants, one of the best records that we have of faithful servants is what we call the Hall of Faith in the Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to just read through this, and, and I know we've done this before, but it's such a, a, a huge section of Scripture, so important. It says, now faith is the substance or the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by faith, men of old gained approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. They were formed by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that you could see that were visible. So ex nihilo, that's God created everything out of nothing. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. And by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him, please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah warned by God about things not yet seen. They'd never seen the earth flood and rain like it had. In reverence and respect for God, he prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was received for an inheritance. And when he went out, not, I'm sorry, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien, a foreigner, in a land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life. Amen, ladies, 90 years old, beyond the proper time of life. Since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even, one, even of one man, and him as good as dead at, at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable sand which is by the seashore. All these died in faith without receiving the promises that God gave. But having seen them by faith and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have opportunity returned. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. And he, had, uh, he who had um, received the promises was offering up to his only begotten son. And it was, it was he to whom it was said, in Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. Like a type of Christ. But faith, by faith, Isaac 
blessed Jacob and Esau regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of his sons and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel, gave order concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents because he, they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as, through the, as though they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? So, whoa, that's a lot to say. So, what more shall I say? And listen to what he says. For time will fail me. There's not enough time if I tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets of the names that we know who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to fight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were cut in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated men of whom the world was not worthy wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. All of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Because God had provided something better for us. So that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. See, it's all a part of God's plan. Both the known people and the unknown. Those whose names that you read about in, in Scripture, those whose names that, that, that you know, youth ministry and, and kids ministry and, and, and worship teams, and you can pull them up on YouTube and you can watch them, and, and that's great, these amazing things that we can have today in technology. But I'm telling you what, there are people in this church who your name may never show up on a YouTube channel. Your name may never be known by anybody else, but God knows your name. God knows what you're doing. And he sees your faithfulness to serve him where he's put you. Number one is this. Be found faithful where you are and found worthy of your calling. Again, we've preached and taught on this many times throughout the study. It, it's not something that's being infused. In other words, we're not, we're not taking this to the Scripture because we want to bring this point to, to this sermon today. This is seen in the Scripture. It's seen throughout, something that we draw out. When that's the case, I think it's vital to take note. Second, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says this, Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of, of God. In this case, moreover, it's required of stewards that one be found trustworthy or faithful. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, I'm begging you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling. What is the calling? Specifically for us as Christians to be ambassadors for the kingdom of God. Specifically for, for, for as Christians today to be faithful, great commission servants. Be worthy. Live, in a, li- live a life in, in, a, in a way that's worthy of that calling. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so again, those many that we see in our text, we don't know their names, but they were faithful according to the measure of the grace that God had given them. So many times we miss this, I think. So many times we miss just being faithful where you are and being found worthy of the calling that God has put on our life. And we miss the importance of that Again, because of several different reasons. I think one reason why we miss the importance of being faithful where we are and found worthy of the calling that we've been called with is laziness. I think sometimes it, we just get lazy. I just don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like serving today. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like going. I just want to do this. I'd rather chill on the couch. I'd rather lay in the bed. I'd rather do, I'd, I don't want to go until I don't want to do this. Again, I think sometimes we miss it because we're being lazy. I think sometimes, and you can tie these together, I guess, with laziness, is, is selfishness. We, we, it's our time. It's our life. It's our schedule. It's our world. It's our stuff. And we get selfish with it. Instead of realizing that we've been called for a, a, an eternal purpose, we've been called with this amazing privilege to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we've been given a great commission. Man, we should be faithful to that. We're faithful to, to do what God has given us to do. Sometimes we miss it because of sin. There, there are other, maybe there are idols in our lives. Maybe we would rather be doing this than serving the Lord. Maybe we would rather be watching this than being, than being in a worship service. Again, you guys are here this morning, but again, there are times that we miss it because of sin. I think there's times that we miss the importance of this because of discontentment with what God has entrusted to us, Right? I've been serving in the nursery for this many years. When is somebody else going to come along and step up? And I think back to Miss Debbie Moore. That's where she felt like God had put her. And she could have done, and she did other things. She ministered to, to ladies. She was part of Salt and Light. She helped Brother Ricky. There was other things that she did for years and years and years. She did the Christmas, uh, the angel tree. I mean, other things she was involved with. But, man, that was where she felt like God had her. And so she was faithful, and she served until she couldn't do it anymore. Sometimes we just get discontent. Why? I wonder what it would be like if I, if I went over there. I wonder what it would be like. Man, are you doing everything you can possibly do right now? Is your heart in 100% what God has entrusted to you right now? Or have you grown discontent? And these, we don't know their names. We don't know all that they were doing. But what we do know is that they were faithful and they were preaching and teaching the word of the Lord with people that we knew that got to travel around and, and go on these missionary journeys and start churches and, and, and do all this amazing stuff and get recorded in history. But the names of these people we don't have. We do know they were faithful. 
to do what they were entrusted to do and to fulfill the calling that they had been given. Sometimes, again, we want something else. We want to serve God in another way. And it's not to say that God doesn't take us along in a journey or doesn't have something else for us or doesn't want us to grow in certain areas. And maybe we've been serving him like this for this many years, and maybe he, wants to serve, maybe he wants us to serve him like this now. I'm not saying that God doesn't do that. Absolutely. But, man, we've got to learn to serve God faithfully where he has us. Again, we've covered this in this study as well. They were in one accord, doing what they could do, where they were. That's what was happening before the first missionary journey happened. And this is what's going on in this church right before we're about to see the next missionary journey take place. They were faithful, they were serving where they were, and they were fulfilling the calling that God had put in their life. Then God moved. And know this, God knows our hearts. And God knows our hearts. God knows if we're serving from a place of contentment, if we're serving from a place of faith and sincerity. God knows if we're serving with everything we have to honor him and to glory him, to fulfill the worthy of the calling that we've been called. God knows that. So we can't fake that. We can't pretend that. We can't put a cloak on that. God knows. Again, God knew their hearts. He recorded them. Acts chapter 15, verse 36, the next uh, verse in our text. Then after some days, Paul Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit our brethren in every city where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Again, this is what was going on as the second missionary journey starts. The the question I want to ask this morning is this to every single person here. question that I I would challenge myself, the Lord challenged me in studying this, is your life, could it just be defined as faithful? faithful? Are you full of faith or are you full of excuses? Serve with faithfulness. And again, that that enjoins contentment. That enjoins uh, being faithful with what God has entrusted you with. It doesn't mean that you don't have a vision. It doesn't mean that you don't have, you know, I, I would love, right now, I, I'm, 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 I'm helping uh, serve the church and serve the, uh, serve the Lord. I help clean on Saturdays, but man, I would love to be able to teach kids. I just, I just don't have it in me right now. I, I would love for the Lord to be able to give me the opportunity to love, you know. Again, it's not to say that God doesn't lead our hearts to, to do other things for him. But again, there is a very important point of saying, you know what, this is what God has entrusted me with, and this is what I'll be faithful with until he does something else. Philippians chapter 4, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, now that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. In other words, the Philippian church, they wanted to help Paul out while he was in prison, but they they couldn't necessarily do it before. And now he says, you revived your concern for me, you you, you have the opportunity now and he says this, it's not that I speak in, from, from a place of want, because I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. And again, he was sitting in a Roman prison cell. He was the same guy that was going around, and people knew his name. And, and they remember, as they went through certain cities, they were trying to make them gods. And this is a guy that, that people knew, and he had a, a team, and they, they followed him. Now he's in prison, and he's writing to these Philippian believers and saying, man, you guys are a blessing to me. I've learned that no matter what's going on in my life, whether I'm traveling the roads and taking the gospel, whether I'm sitting in a prison cell, writing a letter to encourage you, I've learned to be content wherever God has me. Whatever circumstance I'm in, I've learned to be content. I know 
how to get along with humble means, and also how to live in prosperity. And in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And he says this, and so through all this, I know I can do all things through him, through Christ who strengthens me. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he would write to the Corinthians, and God is, make, is able to make all grace abound to you so that ha, uh, ha, always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. 1 Timothy 6, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Verse 8, if we have food and covering with these things, we shall be content. Hebrews 13, make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Be content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never desert you, never forsake you. Sometimes it's discontentment to serve God, how he's entrusted us. Sometimes it's discontentment because serving God is keeping us from worldly things and more money. Sometimes it's discontentment because our flesh is just tired. But I want to encourage you, as Paul encouraged the Galatian believers in Galatians 6, he says this, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. God has called us to serve him, to be found faithful in our service, to be found worthy of the calling. I ask you this morning, what gifts has God given you to serve him and his body with? Hey, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Are you a church member? What gifts has God given you to serve him and to serve this body with? And are you being faithful to do that? Are you using them in this way? Let me ask you this. Maybe there's a young person in here. Maybe there's an adult. Is God calling you to serve him more? Is God calling you into ministry to surrender your life? I saw this walking worthy of this calling. And when we do this like Paul and Barnabas did and the many others also, I think that we'll be like those in Hebrews, laying it all on the line, no matter what it costs, no matter where we, imprisonment, persecution, death, whatever. I think that's what we, we align ourselves with those of whom the world is not worthy of. And that's point number two, be found among those who the world was not worthy of. Hebrews eleven thirty eight 38 says, says that exactly, men of whom the world was not worthy of. And again, when we live faithfully like God has given to us and we, we fulfill the calling, we live a life that's worthy of the calling that God has given to us. And that's how we align our lives. That's what our lives look like. Say, so, yeah, but it's not really a big deal that I'm up here every Saturday in cleaning. It's not a big deal that I'm out there taking care of the ground. It's not a big deal that I'm changing dirty diapers. It's not a big deal that I'm, that I'm playing an instrument. It's not a big deal that I'm pushing buttons. It's not a big deal that I'm serving people and they don't even know how, that nobody else knows how I'm serving. It's not a big deal. Listen, God knows your name and he knows your faithfulness. And it's those people who the world is not worthy of. Of all the good that Paul and Barnabas did for the kingdom, again, we know that they had issues. We're about to see a disagreement probably next week that they had. And maybe that's why God gave us their names. It's because they were both good and bad examples in their life. But we have this group of many, unnamed servants. And maybe we don't have their names because they were exactly in that group of whom the world was not worthy. Maybe that's why 
Maybe that's why we don't have their names is because they were living a life in a way that the world was not even worthy to know their name. If God has gifted and entrusted you to stand on a stage like the praise team does and sing or play an instrument or, or, or preach or be the first person to encounter somebody when they walk through these doors or when they drive onto this parking lot, or if God has gifted and entrusted you to stand in front of kids and teach them, you better be faithful. And I charge you, Scripture charges you, to serve him faithfully in contentment. But just the same, if your voice is never heard, your name is never known, you don't have a name tag, it's not on, on the website, you're never recognized or rewarded on this side of heaven by any man, be just as faithful. Be just as faithful. Be just as content. Be found among those whom the world's not worthy. One thing that's abundantly clear <clears throat> as I get ready to close this up is that it's all God's work. His, his church, his kingdom, his word. One thing is very clear in these people who were many is that they were also available. They were available in the heart, minds, their life, their time, everything. It's obvious. They were there. They were doing it. Point number three is this. Be found surrendered to be God's vessel. Be found surrendered. Be in a place of surrender. Live your life available to the Lord. When's the last time that you prayed, God, use me however you want? Not in the way that is comfortable for me, not in the way that fits my schedule out, not in the way that everybody expects me to, but God, you use me however you want. When's the last time you prayed that? Maybe you, you answer that question by saying, never. I've never prayed that. I've just tried to find a way that I can serve the church and serve the Lord and just done that. Or maybe you're here this morning and say, I've never found a way to serve. I encourage you to pray this morning, God, use me however you want. We sing the song, I surrender all, but do we surrender all? God, use me however you want. Please hear this. If you didn't surrender all to Jesus the moment you got saved, then you didn't get saved. And if you're here this morning and, and you're not positive that you surrendered to Christ all, then please don't leave this place without coming down here to their invitation, talking to me. You can go talk to Brother Rick, Brother Jeffrey, but please don't leave here if you're not positive that when you thought you got saved, you surrendered all. But if you're here, and I think probably the majority of people in this room could say, when I got saved, I know I got saved. I know I surrendered all. I know I put all of my confidence in Christ. I let go of everything in my life, and I put all confidence in Christ. I surrendered all. If you did, then that's something that we've got to continually do on a daily basis. Romans chapter 12, I, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is a spiritual service of worship. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what, is that, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Have you prayed, God, use me however you want? Let me ask you another question. Have you ever prayed this? God, use me up. God, use me up. That may seem like a really spiritual, that's a good prayer. That, that, that sounds good. No, 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 but that's an all-encompassing prayer. 
That's a type of prayer that says, God, I want to be, I want to have a life that's in line with those people that were named and the unnamed people in Hebrews chapter 11. Those who were imprisoned and cast out and and, and sawn asunder and persecuted and jailed, all the, like, I, I want you to use me up no matter what the cost. Use me up. I didn't have this in the sermon, uh, but Friday I, I read this devotion. I felt like it was fitting in Mark chapter 14. The woman uh, we know is Mary from Bethany comes and anoints Jesus' hair, uh, not his hair, his, his feet with oil and, and, and wipes his, his feet with her hair. And, and, of course, Judas has a problem with it, right? He says, that, that's a lot of money that you just wasted. We could have taken that money and given it to the poor. And, um, and Jesus said, hey, you got the poor with you all the time, but you don't have me with you always. She's, she's chosen the right thing. And uh, basically her, her testimony will be uh, throughout all the generations. But I want you to hear this story, and I'm close. James Tober, and some of you may have read this, but it's just a good story. James, James Tober was a, uh, born to a, for, a poor farming family in Ohio in 1836. When he grew up and wanted to go to school, the family did not know how they would cope with with his absence, but his brother volunteered to do extra work to get the money for Tobin's schooling. After trading for the ministry, James Tobin became one of the earliest American missionaries to go to the country of India, where he labored for 49 years and established many churches. But he would have never been able to go without the support of his brother, who is almost forgotten by history. Many times the things we do for God's work and for others, are not recognized. They may not seem large or important to us or or even to others. They may seem like a small thing that will not have a large impact. But we never know how God will use the unseen sacrifices that we make for him. He was able to turn a shepherd's staff into an instrument of his power for Moses. Moses. He was able to take a shepherd's sling and bring down the giant Goliath. He was able to use a little boy's small lunch to feed, five, to feed thousands of people. And when we do what we are able to do, we can trust God to take care of the rest. And though the world may never notice or remember, God never forgets. One day he will honor and reward all those, hear these words, who faithfully serve him in both large and small ways. This morning, I I urge you and encourage you, be a surrendered vessel to God. Be one of the many others also. And if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I'm begging you today to come forward and surrender your life. But if you have, man, let's let's be counted among the many others also. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all you do in our life. Thank you so much for the message this morning. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be challenged, even just a few, t- a couple of v- verses in our text, Lord, to be who you've called us to be, to be faithful where you've put us, to, uh, to uh, just be counted among even the unnamed. Lord, help our lives bring glory to you. Help this church bring glory to you. And help us to respond rightly now. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as he sings, I'll encourage you to come.